Come on, let's shout and celebrate. 2017. Tell you, it's going to be an amazing year. And so we're kicked off our, we're kicking off our 21-day Daniel fast today. And uh, when we talk about fasting, what I want you to realize is fasting is not just giving up food to lose weight. Fasting is when we refrain from the food, what? To, for a spiritual purpose. And I'm telling you, this year, if you will open your heart, if you will open your mind, you're getting ready to go into a fresh new season. And what God shared in my heart this year is that 2017 is this not going to be a one-year deal, but it's going to be multiple years of favor and blessing. But how, how do we walk in that? And I didn't prophesy that last year or the year before that. How do we walk into that? Well, the way we walk into that, God actually gave us the pattern and reminded me of the pattern when I was prophesying on that worship night, the week of Thanksgiving. And he said, I have a timeless pattern. He said, my timeless pattern's real si simple. You find it all throughout the Word. One of the places is in Matthew chapter 6 in the Beatitudes. You find it in Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius. And, and he just took me through different places and pat where I find this pattern. And whenever we operate in this limitless pattern of God, it begins to remove the limitations that are on our lives. Anybody got any limits you'd like to break in here? Come on, anybody got any limits you'd like to break in here? Well, those limits, that limitless pattern that God has is prayer, fasting, and giving. Say that with me. Prayer, fasting, and giving. Now, whenever we begin to do that, what is prayer? See, a lot of people don't understand what prayer is. Prayer is communing and conversing, having conversation with God. Communing and conversing with God, asking and receiving from God. In other words, I'm in communication with God, all different ways, all different manners, but I'm in communication. If I'm in communication with someone, that means I'm focused on them. That means I'm having contact with them. That means that I'm speaking and listening. I'm retaining. So communing and conversing. The communing part is the covenant part. When you become a child of God, you become a son or daughter of God. When you become a child of God, you are in communion. You are in blood covenant with him because it is the blood of Jesus that redeems you. You are saved by grace through faith, and it's the blood that redeems you into righteousness. And when you become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you're in covenant. You're in sonship. You're in a greater relationship than a friend or a good, a good friend or even a close relative. You are a son or daughter of God when you become a child of God. So whenever we understand what prayer is, it puts me in a place and a position to have relationship and communion through that covenant with God and to have conversation with Him. Now, as I shared with you, over the last couple of months about three important questions if we want to do anything and accomplish anything in life and do it with excellence and to see it come to pass, we have to answer three questions, don't we? The first question is, what am I going to focus on? What am I going to give my attention to? You see, until you give your attention to the right things, you won't get the right results. Until you put your attention on the right stuff, you won't get the right stuff back in your life. Whatever I put my attention on is what I'm going to think about. 
Whatever I put my attention on is what's going to grab my interest and grab my heart and grab my mind. Whatever I put my focus, my attention on will greatly determine the kind of results I'm going to have. The second question you got to ask yourself is, what's the meaning, the why, behind what you're focusing on? What's the meaning, the why, behind what you're focusing on? You see, until you know what you're focusing on, and then you attach the why to it. Well, I'm focusing on this being an amazing year of celebration, of breakthrough, and you begin to think about how that can make an eternal difference, that man, if God would bless you and your family and bring health in your family, how that would not only bless you and your family, but how that could bless others in eternity. Or you can think about, man, if I could just get to this next level in my finances and move out of this situation I'm in right now, you begin to think about how can I, like Sherry was saying, how can I be a blessing to others? How can I cheerfully give, give my time, give my finances, give my wisdom, give my talents. As I what give back, what am I doing? I'm making a contribution. And as you make that contribution, as you give, as you put back, those are timeless values of God. And all of a sudden, the Bible says this, God is what? The same yesterday, today, and forever. The same God that opened the Red Sea is the same God today. The same God that met Daniel in a lion's den is the same God that's here today. The same God of Moses and the same God of David and the same God of Peter and Paul. The same God of, and the Father of Jesus Christ is the same God today. And when we commune with him, when we have conversation with him and ask, that means in the biblical terms, make a petition. We have a right to make petitions before God, to ask, to make a request. And a lot of people have relationship with him, and they'll ask him for things. Every time we get with him, we're asking him for something. But the problem is, we don't understand the power of receiving. You see, it's one thing when you just keep asking your mom and dad, some of you that are not kids anymore, but when you were a kid, some of you that are children now, you just keep asking your mom and dad so much, and they've said no so many times, that's the last thing you expect them to say yes, and all of a sudden they say yes, and you're already on your next argument, and they say, wait a minute, didn't I say yes? And you go, oh, you did? Yeah, okay, okay. And we're kind of like that with God. We're complaining and begging and pleading with God, but we don't understand the power of certainty, the power of faith, and that faith gives us the power to access or to receive what we've requested from God. This is your year of taking off the limits. So whenever we began to know what we're focusing on, so if it's going to be a year of taking off limits, you need to have written down and be praying and in your time of devotion and prayer. And that's what this 21-day fast is about. This Daniel fast is to give all of us to come into unity together. And we got some other things we'll tell you at the end of the service, the tools for you. But, but the big thing is coming into agreement in unity empowers the family of God and began to speak over our lives and over each other's lives and stand in unity to see God move. Now, as I began to know what I'm focusing on, whenever I know the meaning behind it, 
that it can bring blessings for people in eternity. It can bring people out of a eternal damnation into the kingdom of God. It can bring healing to people's body and give them a longer period to live on this earth. It can bring financial breakthrough and fruitfulness in people's lives that would be generous to other people and feed the hungry and, and heal the sick. When I begin to think about all those things that I'm focusing and praying about and the goodness that they can bring, the good things that they can bring eternally, not just naturally, but eternally, then that fires me up. That gives me a passion. That gives me a desire. You see, if you don't have passion, you're not going to finish anything. If you don't have a fire deep down in your soul that this is what I'm focusing on, and this is the most important thing in my life right now, and I am not going to give up. I'm going to be like a bulldog and have a bulldog tenacity about something. You're not going to see any mountains move. You're not even going to see a, a mud hole tremble. You know, it's, it, I see Christians devout but limited. Yeah. And that's what 2017 is, is, is to, let's move from just being devout and step beyond limitations in our life. So many Christians are devout but limited. It's like an elephant. You, you, you go to a circus and you see this big six-ton beast walking around with all this power. He can just go through and rip the stands apart, tear an arena apart. And he's on a, a chain, and the chain looks big, but it's just a stake driven down into the ground. Doesn't even have concrete. It's just that pile of dirt, and they'll die. And that big elephant will just walk around that chain in circles. Because it was trained when it was a little child that that chain was stronger than it is. And there's too many devout Christians that you think the devil's stronger than you are. There's too many Christians today that think, you know, this financial attack is stronger than me. This physical attack on me or my family, it's bigger than me. This attack on my relationships and on my influence is bigger than me. No, it's not unless you allow it to be. you got to shake yourself and break loose because greater is he who is in me than he who is in this world. And you've got to buckle up and man up and woman up and say, this is my year. This is my family's year. This is my church's year, my city, my nation's year. This is the kingdom's year to take the limits off. Anybody ready to take the limits off? Well, once I decide what I'm focusing on, once I decide the why and have the passion for it, then I got to do the third thing. I got to do something. I got to take a step. I, I, I got to make a decision. I got to act on it in some way. Well, that's what this fast is about. It's a time for you to separate yourself in the Word. It's a time for you to worship God more and to focus more on your relationship with Him and give up the sweets and give up the meats and stuff like that for the next 21 days and just begin to allow the Holy Spirit to work on your heart and to work on your mind. That, 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 you just, that gives you something to do. That gives you a step to take. And that's how faith happens. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What happens is you've got to take steps toward the things that the only evidence you have is the certainty that God is who he said he is. And he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And listen, I promise you the Holy Spirit will tell you to do some of the most unique things. He'll tell you to do some stuff, and you go, oh, you're kidding me. Oh, yeah, no, no, do it. 
And you'll do it. It might be buy someone a cup of coffee in a line at McDonald's. It, it, it might be just, uh, I want you to go stand in Walmart over by this section at 1 o'clock and stay there to about, and don't leave until 1.30. And the first person in a red shirt that has brown, you know, shoes on that walks by you, tap them on the shoulder and say, Hey, I just wanted to let you know God loves you today. And watch him just stand there and weep like a baby. He'll do things to let you know he hears you and he's in relationship with you. This is a year to take the limits off. How do we do it? This series I'm kicking off today for the next few weeks, we'll be doing it. It's called Timeless. We do it through the timeless patterns of Jesus Christ. We do it through the timeless blueprint of God. And as we do that, the pattern that Jesus used was prayer, fasting, and giving. He was constantly giving healing and, and giving resources and giving words and giving blessings and giving identity and give, 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 give. He came to earth not to get, but to give. And because he did, we can live on both sides of that coin. You see, religion a lot of times, it, 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 it's the methods of man, and, and we get religious about things. And Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark, I think it's chapter 7, when he was talking to the Pharisees, and he said, uh, he said religion annuls, the power of God. In other words, religion, when we do things and we don't do it by the heart and the passion of God, it becomes a religion. It just becomes a method. It just becomes something to do or because we're supposed to do it. What does it do? It denies the power of God. It, we don't have the power anymore. I, I said this 30 years ago to a youth group I used to pastor, and, and they gave me a little thing, and we had it in our house for a while. They made a little poster or something, and it said, and it's just something that God brought out of my spirit one night teaching them, and that is when that which is precious, precious to you becomes ordinary, be careful, because sooner or later you will replace it with something or someone else. When that which is precious to you becomes ordinary. When that person that's precious to you becomes ordinary. When, when, when that job that was precious that you believe for becomes ordinary, look out. When, when, whenever, whenever that ministry becomes precious to you, whenever, whenever your health that was precious to you, but now it's just not that big a deal, there'll be a day if you're not taking care of yourself, it'll get precious again because life is precious. And if we don't take care of ourselves, we won't be here as long as we possibly could be to serve God. When that which is precious to you, you know, I see people come in and weeping and crying and coming to Bethel. There's no place like this. I love this place. And I'll see them in their life. I saw one lady come in and years, years ago here, and she is a Jehovah's Witness, got saved. Man, got on the prayer team, served in this ministry for eight or nine years. And then all of a sudden just got tiffed over something and left. Restored her family. Her own kids wouldn't talk to her. They ended up moving back to this area just to be there so she could be around her ground. God did all these things in her life, but she got ticked off about something, and that which is precious to her became ordinary. You see, I see it all the time. People come in, get saved, get baptized, get filled with the Spirit, life be doing good, and then they just, you know, it's not precious. I just don't know if I feel anything. Well, you don't feel anything because you're not doing anything with God. You don't feel anything because you're not in relationship like you should be with God. 
You, you, you see, what you got to realize, guys, is if something's precious to you, it's because you made a decision it's precious. Someone can take a little collector's coin that somebody gave them a little nickel when they were a kid and make it the most precious thing in their life. Why? They focus on it. They hide it. They protect it. They secure it. What's it saying? The power of focus. When you focus on something and you have a passion, a meaning behind that and begin to take steps toward it, it'll multiply its influence in your life. Look at me here. Jesus talks to us about the power of fasting here when he gives us an illustration with his disciples in Matthew 17. I want to read a few scriptures. And what had happened here, beginning in verse 18, he had released his disciples and gave them the power to cast out devils, heal the sick, set the captives free. And they had been doing that in multiple cities. But there was this one man that had a son that would, was under a demonic influence, would seizures and different things would happen. He'd throw himself in a fire. And he, he, he just didn't look like he's going to make it. His dad spent all of his wealth to try to get him healed. It didn't work. He brought him to the disciples again and again, and they could get all these other people free and healed, but not him. So he brings them to Jesus. And here's what he says in verse 18. And, and, and when he brought him to Jesus, he said, I, can you help my son? I've taken him to your disciples. I've done this, this, and this. In verse 18, it said, and Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? You know, Master, we cast out these other demons. We've healed the sick. We've set the captives free. We preach your gospel. But, but why couldn't we do it? So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief. You mean, you know, I can cast demons out of people, I can heal the sick and still be walking in a level of unbelief. That's what Jesus said. Yes, you can. Doesn't mean you're not a believer or a Christian, but you're walking a certain level of unbelief. He said, for sure, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Now, a lot of people want to get, you know, one translation said, all things are possible to them and believe. Jesus said, nothing will be impossible to you. A lot of people get stuck there. That's good, man, nothing. All, all things are possible to them that believe. But look what else he said. However, this kind does not go out except by what? Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting. It gets back to the patterns that God uses. Now, we're going to have a, a prayer gathering. You, you took that thing back, didn't you? This, this coming Saturday, beginning at 9 o'clock here, and I'll talk about it at the end of the service, but there's going to be an opportunity for you for a few hours to come here and get trained up by some of our prayer leaders right here from 9, I think, to 11, but I'll give you the exact time. Uh, ever how long it is, it starts at 9. And it'll be some great intercessors teaching. You've been wanting to know more about prayer. It's a prayer workshop. So we want you to have that tool. But Jesus said by prayer and fasting, fasting is to resist or give something up. What? So we can begin to get our focus and attention on him. So um, in the Beatitudes I mentioned in the opening, it talks about giving, praying, and fasting. So here, here's what I want you to know today. God's Word is the blueprint. God's Word is the blueprint, and the context of what you're dealing with may change, 
but the foundational principles never change. The context of what you're dealing with in life may change, but the foundational principles or the patterns of Jesus, the patterns of God, will never change. Why? The Bible says because he's the same all the time. Now look with me over here in Acts chapter 10. And one of my all-time favorite scriptures in the Bible, actually I was prophesying out of this on that week of Thanksgiving about this coming year. And as we look at this with Cornelius, let me in here in the uh, beginning verse 1 with me. Says there was a certain man of Caesarea, in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. So he was an Italian brother, right? He wasn't a, a Jewish Italian at this time. He's just an Italian brother, a centurion. Verse two, a devout man, one who feared God with all of his household, and gave alms generously. Alms is charitable giving, charitable gifts giving to people, and prayed to God always. Now what did he do? <clears throat> he prayed and he gave. He prayed and he gave. You'll see here in a moment he was fasting. He'll tell us over here in a moment that he was also fasting during that time. So he was actually doing the pattern. Here he is, not of the Jewish descent. Here he is by faith trying to be in relationship with his heavenly father, having his whole household in it. Now, what I want to do here, here's a man here in a moment. We'll go through this kind of quickly. Here's a man who no one expected to ever be a leader and be in relationship with God and be a spiritual leader. No one ever expected him to have salvation or household salvation, family salvation. No one ever expected the apostle of God to visit him or do any of these things. But because of him following the timeless pattern of God, of Jesus, prayer, fasting, and giving, God heard and moved on his behalf. So it said, and he prayed always. Verse 3, about the ninth hour, that's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, our time. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Isn't that something? He's, he's not doing anything different than he had. It's not like I, I decided this week I'm going to pray, fast, and give. said he always prayed. He always fasted, and, and it was traditional, too, to fast in that 3 o'clock hour as well. So he was just following as much as he could to learn. And he saw this angel clearly in a vision, saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid. You know, it kind of frightened you. You're there praying, and all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up and said, what is it, Lord? That's the way we are a lot of times. When the Holy Spirit tries to come on you and just bless you, you get afraid sometimes. You'll be in a big worship service and go, ooh, I don't know if I understand that. God said, I just wanted to visit with you. You'll be spending home at time at home with the Lord and his presence will come on you. And sometimes you're like, ooh, what do you want, God? Have I done something wrong? No, 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 no. He's for you, not against you. Remember, he's a good, good father. So he said to them, Here's what the angel said. Your prayers and alms, or your giving, have come up before a memorial for me. A memorial for me. What is a memorial? A memorial is something that brings remembrance. It marks a spot to give attention to again. 
And he says, your prayers and your giving have gotten my attention. They have given me access to look directly and focus to the point that what? I'm going to send one of my own angels to talk personally to you. Hmm. How do you move heaven through the pattern of Jesus? Through prayer, fasting, and giving. Through prayer, fasting, and giving. How do I take the limits off my family? Through prayer, fasting, and giving. How do I see healing in my family? Through prayer, fasting, and giving. How do I see healing in my body? Through prayer, fasting, and giving. Hmm. So he says, uh, and here, here he says, and when he observed him, he was afraid. Da, 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 says, says your prayers come. Now, verse five. He said, now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Now he's at the Tanner's house, staying along the the Sea of Galilee. There, I'm not going to read all that section, but remember Simon Peter. Who is Simon Peter? He's the apostle, right? Peter, the Petros, the the pebble off of the rock, a small rock off the big rock. Remember in Matthew's gospel when, whenever he had the revelation that Jesus was the Son of the God, Son of God, the Lord, the Son of God, and, and, and Jesus said that was good, that was good, Simon Barjona, because his name was Simon, he was son of Barjona, Simon Barjona. In the Hebrew language, Simon means hearing or one who hears. Bar is son, Jonah is dove. A dove represents the Holy Spirit. And he said in Matthew's Gospel, I think it's chapter 16, he, he said, good. You could only hear that, Simon Barjona, you could only hear that from my Father who art in heaven. Simon Barjona, one who hears the Spirit. One who hears the Spirit. You see, when you begin to focus and keep your heart clean and focus toward prayer, fasting, and giving, you will begin to hear things from God. He'll find a way to get things through to you. He'll find ways to help you with your situation, your circumstances. He'll bring people of influence into your life. He'll bring you to influence other people's lives. He'll help you in ways that you've never dreamt of if you will follow the limitless patterns of Jesus Christ. So what happened is, he sends his people to go get Simon Barjona. Now drop down to verse 9. The next day, as they went on out on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the roof or the housetop. I've been there a couple times to that house, actually, to pray at about the sixth hour. And then he became very hungry and he wanted to eat. But while they were made ready, made the food ready, he fell into a trance. In other words, he began to have a vision. He, he began to see outside of himself into the unseen realm. Said he fell in a trance and he saw heaven open up and an object like a sheet, a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending on him, coming down to earth. Now, like that sheet would represent like a tablecloth, wouldn't it? Like, you know, back in eastern Kentucky, you know, whenever you got finished with a meal the first half of the day on a big reunion, you just covered that thing up with a sheet or a, a tablecloth, right? Anyway, y'all just don't, you know, Jesus was a hillbilly, right? 
Did you know that? Seriously, he was. He was the long-legged Galilean. He was Galilean in Nazareth, which was considered the hill people. And, you know, those people that were just hillbillies. So Jesus was a hillbilly, just helping you, just helping you, brother. That's all. It's all right. He wasn't a buckeye, worthless nut. He was a hillbilly. You know, just saying. Anyway, I love Ohio in Jesus' name. Okay, so uh, just seeing if you were awake. You seemed a little quiet there. Forgive me, Miss Patty. I, she's probably watching online. I'm in trouble now. Steph's mom will whoop me for that. Get on me for that. All right, here we go. So it said he saw this thing coming down to earth, and in it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice to him came to him and said, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, No, Lord, for I have never eaten anything uncommon or unclean. Hmm. That had to do with the prophecy I gave you this year. Uncommon or unclean. And what was he saying? They of the Jewish faith were not allowed to eat certain animals with the, you know, pork and certain animals with certain types of hooves and certain things and so on. So they were limited what they could eat. And what happened, God just sent down from heaven in this vision and while he's in a trance, all these unclean foods that the Jewish folks were not allowed to eat. And look what he said to him. He said, go on and eat. He said, no, I've never done that. That's eating anything common or unclean. And what I said in that prophecy and what I'm telling you today, be careful what you label common or unclean in 2017. Be careful what you label common or unclean. Now, sin is sin. Don't get me wrong. But I'm just talking about there's some things in your life that are supernatural and you just call it common. There's some people you know that's been delivered and set free, but you still call them unclean. Oh, come on now. Bible says judge your own self, not others. Judge the heart so that it will show you approved in that day, that day you stand before God. Be careful who you're judging. Be, be careful. If it's not you, you better just zip your little lips up or repent real quick. God said, be careful what you call common or, ah, oh, it's just another prophetic service. Be careful. That's just another word. Be careful. Ah, oh, it's just another high praise service. Be careful. Oh, is this another giving time? Be careful. Just another offering time. Be careful. Ah, oh, just somebody got healed there, but I know a lot of people didn't get healed. Be careful. Hmm. And the voice spoke to him again the second time because he told him to eat, right? God told him to eat. He said, eat. And then what did he do? He said, God said this, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. You better watch what you're messing with now. I'm just telling you. Well, I just don't know if I understand those kind of church services. You better be careful. You better get understanding or be open anyway. He said, he said, said look, Peter, because this rocked Peter's world from the time he was a child. He could not eat these things because of his faith, of being his faith in Yahweh and God. And now God is telling him, I, nope. That's the old covenant. We're moving into the new covenant. Let us know. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Three. God visited Cornelius in the third hour. It says the ninth hour of the day. That's 3 o'clock our time. God spoke and, and, and had uh, Peter go into a trance. 
What? And he dropped the food down for Peter, and he told him three times what he wanted him to do. Here, we'll see here in a minute, not only at 3 o'clock did God show up to Cornelius and tell him to, uh, what he's going to do, but Cornelius was praying, fasting, and he had been giving alms. Three things. Three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three, flesh, blood, bone. Spirit, soul, body. So we see this threes, right? We're seeing things here. Now, uh, I'm going to skip a few verses here because he was summoned to go to Caesarea by these men. It says they had to come to, to uh, Cornelius' house, right? So let's jump to verse 24. Let's, let's, let's look at verse 23. So they all, Peter and his group, come with Cornelius and his group to his house. Then he invited them in and lodged them there. How am I doing on time, guys? Then he invited them in and he lodged there, lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Verse 24. And the following that day entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. See, Cornelius got that word. He sent his men to see if Peter would honor him by coming. And he was waiting on him. Now, now, now see, see here, here's where so many people miss it, Rory, right? Here's where they miss it. They miss it right here. Cornelius did something very unique. Not only did he trust God, not only was he doing the pattern, praying, fasting, and giving, always, he just consistently did it, but he was a man, it, it had grown his faith so much. Faith is knowing and trusting God. And not only did he send those men and invite them to his house, he didn't know if they were going to be there or not. He didn't know everything about it, but look, look what the Bible said he did. And he called together, he was waiting for them, and had, had, everybody say had, called together his relatives and close friends. He had all of his workers, his relatives, and his close friends waiting for God to use a man of a Jewish faith that was not even allowed to be in a Gentile's home, an unclean person's home, wasn't even allowed to be in her home. But he had enough faith to know what God said, and he'd been working that pattern long enough to know it was God. And he had faith not only to know they were coming, but he wasn't going to, he could have been proved to be crazy, but he brought all of his employees, he brought his family and his relatives into his house, waiting on Peter. What'd he do? He did something about it. He focused, he gave the meaning of it for the passion, and then he took a step going to be a year of household salvation. I'm just telling you. It's going to be a year of household salvation. It's going to be a year of relatives, extended relatives to be saved. But you got to do something. Whatever it is that God tells you to do, take a step. Invite them to church. Pray for them every day. Begin to focus on them, what, how God could speak to them. He'll even use you to speak to them. Verse 25, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worship him. But Peter lifted him up, saying, Stand up, I myself, and also a man. And he talked to him a while, and he went in, and he found many who came together. Verse 28. Then Peter said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jew, a Jewish man, to keep company with or go to one another of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call, what? What? Any man common or unclean. 
What's he talking about? Nation, ethnicity, different culture, different nations. That's why God told Steph and I that this would be a church of the Gentiles before we ever left Lexington. That's why this church is different. You, you, I'm just telling you, there, you, you can say what you want. You can like us or not like us or love us a while and then dislike us. You'll never find another Bethel. You'll never find another Bethel. God is uniquely, and I, I believe that God wants that for every church, but most churches don't choose to be what God wants them to be. They try to match and imitate what someone else is. But look around. This, this church is just different. And it has the heart of a family. Not perfect. Families are messy. Why? God said to be a church of the Gentiles. Not everybody looks the same. Not everybody has the same education, the same ec economic background, whatever. Same ethnicity, any of that. Why? Because that was our heart, a church of the Gentiles. That's what we, we didn't ever put a sign out there and said that. And now God's saying, and I think it's a unique word for 2017, don't call anyone common or unclean. Ah, oh, they're just a doctor. Ah, oh, they're just a high school dropout. Ah, oh, they're just over there, you know, working in the factory. Ah, oh, they're just a stay-at-home mom. Ah, oh, that's just a preacher. You better be careful this year. I'm just telling you. God's not playing in 2017. Whenever there's opportunity for great blessing, there's also opportunity for great cursing. God's not going to curse you. He, he's not in the cursing business. But our own words curse. What do they do? They hold us back from the blessing. Our own words. Don't have to be anybody else's words. Our own words. See, nobody talks to you more than you. Not your husband, not your wife, not your preacher. You hear your voice in your head more than any other voice. And if you don't have your mind focused on him and on what he's saying and what he wants to do, you're going to be messed up. Just saying. Is it all right for me to talk to you like a daddy? Good. Because I'm going to. So anyway. Uh, so he said all that about being unlawful. Therefore, I came without rejection of suicide. I heard that I was sent for. I asked for them. I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? For what reason has an angel of the Lord visited me? For what reason has the heavens opened up and God spoke personally to me to have me come against everything my religion taught me my whole life, to come against everything I believe my whole life? Why am I here? You see, God's going to bring you before some people, and you don't even know why you're before them until you're there just trusting God. And then all of a sudden, you'll have an aha moment, and you'll change a whole family. And if you're careful, people will do that to you and your family and help you. Verse 30, so Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. So you remember I told you he was praying and giving there, giving his alms, but he was also fasting. He starts to tell us now. Four days ago I was fasting to this hour. Isn't that interesting? The ninth hour. Here we are, three o'clock again. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms, your charitable giving are remembered in the sight of God. He said, well, you know, you just don't, you don't give to get. Let me tell you something. You get God's attention however you can get God's attention. And if, and if Jesus thinks it's important for you to give to get, get his attention, then give to get his attention. You do whatever. It's not yours anyway. You serve. You love. You know, well, that just, you know, you know, Pastor Steph's in there now. We're rebuilding children's ministry. She recruited eight volunteers on New Year's Day out there in the hallway. 
She's going after it. She's not going to be running it long term, but she's going after it. Why? Because our kids mean that much. You know, you, you look at it and say, well, you know, I'm just come a long time. I give and I do this. You better be careful. This is not a common year. God might have you out there on the parking lot ministry. Oh, I'll tell you about that in a minute. God might have you over here in children's. God might have you, you know, ushering. I don't know. God might have you, you know, helping Miss Kathy of outreach. We're doing over 6,000, uh, boxing up 6,000 meals a month. It, it, who knows what you could be doing? But, but don't call it common. And definitely don't call it unclean. Just be open. Look for an opportunity. And, it said, and Cornelius said, your prayers have been heard. He said to him, and your alms have been remembered inside God. And then send, he told him to send to Joppa for Peter. And he said, so, verse 33, so I sent for you and immediately, <clears throat> immediately. See, it's important to do it quickly when God tells you to do something. <clears throat> I did it immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear what all the things commanded you by God. Well, Peter's still like, why am I here? So he did whatever good preacher does. He just starts preaching everything he knows. And he starts out in verse 32. And Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. So if you fear him, it means you give reverence to God, you honor God, and is, is accepted by him. Look at this. The world, the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord, what? Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, the hillbilly, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing who? All who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And he talks about how they were witnesses. But what I want you to realize is this. We'll get ready to pray in a moment. But here's what you realize. If you go back and look at that in Luke's gospel and so on, you'll see when John baptized Jesus and the heavens opened and a dove, the dove, the Holy Spirit, like a dove, came and rested on Jesus' shoulder. And from heaven, the Father said, This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. As soon as he came out of that baptism, what did he do? He went alone into the wilderness. What did he do? fasted and prayed for 40 days and nights. Fasted and prayed. Then it said, as soon as he came out of that fasting and prayer, look out. It all broke loose, man, and he launched his ministry. And Jesus kept the pattern of fasting and praying, getting off and fasting and praying, getting off and fasting and praying. If it was important for Jesus to fast and pray, when's the last time we done it? But we keep saying, God, I'm standing on your word. No, he is the Logos in the rhema. He is the word. You got to stand on him. And if I'm going to stand on him, I got to follow his pattern. Oh, God bless you, saints. Let me end with this. Look at verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all. Everybody say all. All those who heard the word and those who were circumcised, who believed and were astonished, and many as came with Peter. They, even all the Jews were astonished as came with Peter. What? Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had poured out on the Gentiles also. Oh, you mean the Gentiles could be saved? They could be filled with the Spirit? Yeah, Peter didn't have to hold their hand and get them to quote words after him. They got it. 
For they heard him. Look at this now. Not only did they get saved, they didn't have religion to beat them up. So they just got what the Holy Spirit gave them. And they began to speak with tongues. They got the same upper room experience Peter and them got. They got saved and baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. They had a gift right there and then and magnified God. And then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water? That these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. Wow. Think about that. You know, we put so many limits on God. Here, he, these people got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, and, and, and the gift of speaking in tongues and all of that. Nobody taught it to them. They didn't even think they qualified to be in this faith. You're sitting over here saying, well, Lord, if I could get rid of this thing, I could get that thing. Oh, God, if I wasn't this way, maybe I could have that. Stop it. Stop it. Be open. Seek God. Trust God. Take the limits off. Take the barriers away. And let God be God in your life.